Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning! It's Friday! Friday, Friday, Friday! I'm Carmen LeBurge, listening to Mornings with Carmen. It's time to get up, to rise and shine. Mm-hmm. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Yeah, you can get up, you can sing, you can dance, you can do the whole hand motions, all of it. It's a good day. It's a, it's a great day. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? Amen. Today's uh, Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from 2 Peter, verse 1-3. And let me just say, we could spend the next two hours, the next two weeks, the next two years just unpacking this one verse of Scripture. If you are um, not in the practice of memorizing Scripture, this is a good one to start with. Like, this is a good day to memorize the Growing Your Faith verse of the day. You should be signed up for it at MyFaithRadio.com. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to him, to himself, by means of his own marvelous glory and excellence. Um, Goodness and grace is another way of um, completing this uh, verse. I, I would encourage you to find this verse in a translation that makes sense to you, that that you could knit into your heart and mind, um, knit it into a pillow if necessary as well. Second Peter one, three by his divine power. That's how it happens by his divine power. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life or for life and godliness is the way you will read it in other translations. God has given us my friends, everything we need for life and godliness, everything. How much? everything. What is lacking? Nothing. God has given us by his divine power, everything we need for life and godliness or for living a godly life. So why are we so anxious? Why do we often have an attitude of grumbling or a spirit of fear instead of an attitude of gratitude and a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. This is a truth that is echoed in the 23rd Psalm. It's it's reflected in Romans chapter 8 and Philippians 4. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need. Everything. Uh, in the Greek, it's uh, it's not like, oh, maybe this means something in the Greek. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Everything here means everything. No exceptions. The context is God's own perfect will. 
Um, and the everything here is everything we need for what? For living a godly life, for living a life that's well-pleasing to God. That doesn't mean, doesn't say God has given us everything we ask for or everything we think we need or everything we think we deserve or everything that other people have. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not what it says. What God has given is fully sufficient. God has poured out every spiritual blessing from the heavenlies that is necessary. That is necessary for a godly life. Fully sufficient. That means that what God has already given is sufficient to resist all the assaults, all the assaults of the enemy. We already possess everything we need to live a Christian life. Um, everything means everything. And how does God give it? By his divine power. Divine, describing this attribute of God, um, that's who God is and not who we are. Like God is divine, uh, eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, all the omnis. Uh, and God's power is just so different from power that's not divine. It's a power that's available and abiding and adequate. The indwelling Holy Spirit in you right now is that same divine power. Think about that. Think about that. All of the power of God, his divine power, is available abiding and adequate within you right now by the power of his own Holy Spirit. You have everything necessary to lead a godly life. Everything. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing grace. And God hasn't given it like uh, he might take it back away. Mm -mm. This is the gift. Um, this is a, a gift like a grant. God has granted is the language here. It means that he has given it. He has bestowed it. Um, he has made a gift of it. No take backs. The idea of the granted gift here carries the idea of grace and a gracious giver. God gives with no strings attached. And yet, <laughs> we so want to be and need to be and hopefully love to be attached to the one who has given us all that is necessary for living a life of godliness. I hope you can revel in that today. I hope this is a verse of scripture you can not only knit into your head, but into your heart. By his divine power, God has given, granted, graced you with everything, everything, everything that you need to live a godly life. And you have received this by coming to know him. So how are you coming to know God today? You got to be in the word of God. You got to saturate your life with what God has revealed about himself and the truth of scripture. The one who called us to himself by means of his own marvelous glory and excellence, he is the one who has given us by his own divine power everything we need to live a godly life. Rearrange the words of 2 Peter 1.3. 
Um, See how the phrases, even when they're rearranged, communicate the same truth over and over and over again. You will see the means by which God grants this grace and the power available to you right now by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit through which his will can be accomplished in your life. This is amazing grace. Second Peter 1, 3, by his divine power, God has given us already everything we need to live a godly life. And we have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his own marvelous glory and excellence, by his virtue, by his goodness, by his grace. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to spend a little time together celebrating and saying thank you to um, those who have taken the opportunity over the last couple of days to sponsor a child. One Child is uh, our partner organization in lifting up child sponsors around the world or for kids around the world. And yes, the opportunity is still open and available at MyFaithRadio.com. There is a child right now praying, praying for you, and you could still be an answer to their prayer. Check it out at MyFaithRadio.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Well, what do you know about war this morning? And what do you know about peace? Who is at war? What are they warring over? Maybe you have neighbors who are at war with one another. Maybe there's people in your own family at war with one another. What are they warring over? Pakistan and Iran, Iran and pretty much everybody else, the Houthis, Israel, Hamas, North Korea. What are people warring over? Ukraine, Russia. The list is pretty long. It's actually, the list is actually endless. Global concerns, precious people. We're going to talk a little bit this morning about the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, living as people of peace in a world at war and in worlds at war. Because if you reduce this down to the smallest, you know, lived reality, like your world, who's in your world, your spheres of influence, there's probably some war right there. And people don't just need another piece of our mind. They don't need a piece of our mind about, you know, I don't know whether or not North Korea is going to take out after South Korea, which is in the news today, or whether or not China is going to take out after Taiwan, which is in the news today, or what's going to happen now that... Pakistan and Iran are actively um, bombing each other, like, right? And you're like, Pakistan, wait a second. I thought we were talking about Israel and Hamas and Yemen and Lebanon. And yes, we are. But the conflict is, you know, is at a boil. And and so, you know, it's popping and raging in um, in places other than just the Gaza Strip. So. When we think about war and we think about peace, there's all kinds of wars and there's wars in our interpersonal relationships. There's there's a war raging right now, um, you know, between competing spirits within me. There's a war over your soul. So maybe there's a war in your family or a war in your mind today, in addition to um, the wars raging uh, around the world. And so we do want to spend a little time today talking about peace and the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. But I want to say thank you 
because there are um, a number of of you who have stepped forward in the last two days to sponsor kids around the world in places where there is a lot of conflict and where resources are meager in terms of uh, the access that these families have. And so I want to say thank you um, for those of you who have taken the step of faith to begin sponsoring a child through one child. Now, there's lots of you listening who have said yes um, over the last couple of years uh, as we have introduced the opportunity to sponsor a child through one child. And so I recognize that. I celebrate. I love you. Thank you so very much. Today, we're going to highlight those who have stepped forward in the last couple of days. And there's still opportunity for you to meet your one child at MyFaithRadio.com. But thank you to Terry uh, in Brooklyn Park. Um, who is sponsoring uh, a child in Kenya. Thank you to Matt in Fargo. Uh, He is sponsoring a child in Ethiopia. He says, my family and I are so excited to be a part of this. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, Matt, thank you for responding. And um, Paul Perot, what did Tressa do? Tressa? (laughs) She's a globetrotter. She, she, she... She's sponsoring. She's championing five kids from various parts of the world, from Kenya, from Honduras, from Ethiopia, the Dominican Republic, and Bangladesh. So, wow. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Carol in Simsbury, Connecticut, stepped forward to sponsor a child in the Philippines. Um, Marlene in Windsor Windsor Heights, Iowa, um, sponsoring uh, Irma in Honduras. Daryl in Madison, Wisconsin, sponsoring... Ray Hugh, Ray, Ray, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm just going to go with Ray in Cambodia. Uh, Stu in Grafton, North Dakota, um, is sponsoring a child in Ethiopia, as is Hillary in uh, Iota, Minnesota. Jennifer in South Range, Wisconsin, um, has, you know, taken personal responsibility, taken this child uh, in uh, into her heart, this nine-year-old um, boy in the Dominican Republic. So thank you, Jennifer. Hillary um, in Iota, uh, Minnesota, um, is sponsoring Fernando in the Philippines. Uh, uh, Glenessa, that's a pretty name, in Mandan, good morning, Glenessa, uh, is sponsoring a, uh, a five-year-old girl in Haiti. Thank you so very much. Aribe in Fridley, Minnesota, is, um, is sponsoring an 11-year-old boy named Leo Han in the Philippines. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And William in Moundsview, Minnesota, is sponsoring Samuel in Haiti uh, and says thank you so much for this opportunity. Debbie in Savage, Minnesota, is uh, is sponsoring uh, Just My Lynn in the Dominican Republic. And then Marge, I love this note. Um, I love this note from Marge in Shoreview, Minnesota, who is sponsoring Rosemelly in the Dominican Republic. She says, um, Rosemelli has the same birthday as my youngest daughter. And I speak Spanish. And someday um, I hope to meet her. She wants to be a doctor. And my family was, uh, and my father was a missionary doctor in Taiwan. So first of all, I just, just give glory to God there. Because Marge had, uh, you know, grew up with a dad who was a, a missionary doctor in Taiwan. And she speaks Spanish, which leads me to believe she had some influences in her life, you know, beyond the, not that Shoreview, Minnesota isn't an incredibly diverse place, but I'm just thinking that maybe Marge has had some influences beyond um, maybe what's happening right there. And so, right, we are global, um, we are people who 
are global in terms of our access to information and relationships. And so I just want to celebrate this. It's so wonderful. Uh, Cindy in and Windsor Lock, Connecticut is sponsoring Brianna in Nicaragua. And Gerald in Roseville, Minnesota is sponsoring um, R. John in the Philippines. Sharon in Wilmer, Minnesota is sponsoring uh, Rodell in the Philippines as well. On and on and on this list goes. Thank you to each and every one of you who stepped forward in the last couple of days to sponsor a child through one child. The opportunity still exists. There is a child right now, right now, praying for you. They don't know your name and you don't know their name yet. But God wants to make that connection. God's not done lifting up um, sponsors for children. Um, And so we're not done either. And so you can check it out at myfaithradio.com. And we have a, a listener in Canada who says, hey, I tried to fill it all out, but because I'm in Canada, I couldn't put my province in and that shut the whole thing down. Well, um, you can, um, you can just give us a call and we'll be sure that we get you connected um, to a child who needs a sponsor um, today. So remember the text line's always open, 877-933-2484. Could you be the answer to a child's prayer today? To the prayer of a family, to the prayer of a church, a local church that wants to be serving more children in their community through a Hope Center? Check it out at MyFaithRadio.com. There's still time to sponsor a child. It's not too late. Tomorrow it might be. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. I got some good news for you today. Jesus Christ is the good gift of God to each and every person. We heard the proclamation of Christmas that there's this good news of great joy for all people. Well, guess what? That means you. Jesus is the good news. He is the gift of God given at Christmas. And maybe you're saying, I don't feel so good. I haven't really received this sense of good news. Well, we would invite you to wake up to the goodness of God with 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness. It's Susie Larson's brand new book. Our friends over at W Publishing gave us 100 copies for Christmas to give away to you. So we'd invite you to enter to win yours now at MyFaithRadio.com. Wake up to the goodness of God, 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness, because Jesus really is the good news and the great joy for all people. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Hey, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day and the things that matter to you today. So um, where is there war? Not only in the world, but in your personal relationships and in your spirit. Who is at war? What are they warring over? There's a war going on, spiritual war going on over every human soul for sure. Some of our interpersonal relationships are broken by division and hostility. We're at war with each other. And then, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's lots of like hotspots in the world, um, saber rattling and, and yes, outright war. Global concerns for sure. Precious people without a doubt. And so I'm going to remind you as we... Um, as each of us encounters news today and over the weekend in our, in our world and in our lives where, you know, there is not just war and rumors of war, but divisions among us about the wars and the rumors of wars. 
um, that you and I are people of peace, possessed of the spirit of Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, and that people don't just need another piece of our mind. They actually do need the peace of the mind of Christ, and you are in the world to give it to them. God's got the whole world in his hands, but as agents of grace and ambassadors of the kingdom, God has to have us operating actively in the world so that the world that's in his hands um, might be a place where peace is planted generation after generation. So uh, Gaza, Ukraine, um, these are obviously places where wars are raging and you know about them. In the last 72 hours, you may not know that uh, Chinese patrols um, have been, well, menacing, menacing, the word is menacing, Mm -hmm. to menace, like Dennis the Menace, but put an I-N-G. How come I can't say that? Menacing. I wrote it down. It's just having a hard time coming out of my mouth. Um, For the last 72 hours, Chinese patrols have been menacing, harassing, making trouble, stirring up the water near Taiwan. They've been exchanging fire. um, And Iran and Pakistan have also been exchanging fire, blowing stuff up on opposite sides of the border. Um, There is a further escalation between the United States military and Houthi rebels in Yemen. And then there's North Korea. Um, We haven't talked much about North Korea of late, but there's, um, there's a lot going on there on that front that I think we will be talking about. You will be hearing in the headlines. NATO is mobilizing more than 90,000 troops for its biggest military exercise since the Cold War. Um, and, and in the Middle East, there are certainly conversations about um, the war spreading to Lebanon. Uh, and Hezbollah, you might remember, has a lot more um, munitions of different kinds than Hamas does. So there's lots of places around the world where we might be praying prayers of peace, peace. But in every place that I just mentioned, literally in every place that I just mentioned, um, Christianity is not the dominant religion. Jesus is not the dominant force. And you and I know that where there is no Jesus, there is no peace. And it's foolishness for us to imagine otherwise. And so we want people to have peace with God, starting with ourselves. Do you have peace with God today? Do you have the peace of mind that comes by having a life that is reigned over and ruled by the Prince of Peace himself? Then you can live at peace and you can live in peace and you can live as a peacemaker, even in a world at war. Once the war inside us is won by Jesus, once he has conquered our heart and our mind, the wars of the world neither surprise nor terrify us. Jesus came to a world at war. And Jesus won. He won the victory. He won the battle. He came as the Prince of Peace, and he also came as the Sword of Division. And you say, that doesn't make any sense. Let me just remind you that Jesus is the ultimate dividing line. No other borders or boundaries or distinctions ultimately matter or matter ultimately. And so today, let us be people who are focused on ultimate things, ultimate reality, the kingdom perspective. I want you to think for a moment about you know, the horizon line, right? right? The, the line that's out there at the edge where the sun, you know, sets at the end of the day, that's the horizon. I want you to focus for a moment 
on the horizon line. And then I want you to consider where your eyes are. How far above the horizon line are your eyes? So put your hand out there in front of your, in front of your face right now. Do you see things in the world as if they are like, well, kind of just below the horizon or right at the line of horizon or put the, but move your hand down to about where your chin is. Do you see how different your perspective is when you raise your eyes above the horizon line? That's what a godly or a kingdom perspective does. It raises our viewpoint, our perspective. We are not under the circumstances of the things happening in this world, like the horizon line. As Christians, we have a perspective that is way above that. Ultimately different than people who are, well, sinking beneath that line. So I want you to focus on just that one um, issue of perspective today. It's one thing to fixate and focus on, you know, the storm raging out there um, right at the horizon and worry that it's coming your way. It's another thing to recognize that God is sovereign over all of it, all time, all space, all people, all places, all nations, all hearts, all minds. And that Jesus has brought down every dividing line between us. That as Christians, no matter where or when we live or under what circumstances, we are one in the spirit. And that is a spirit of peace. So, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, as much as it depends on you, as far as it is possible, live at peace with everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The issue is not um, whether or not we know what God wants us to do or how we should live in the midst of a world at war. We are to be people of peace, not repaying anyone evil for evil, careful to do what is right. And as far as it depends on us, to live at peace with everyone. So my friend today, do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Dan DeWitt is back. Theolatte.com is where you can find what we're talking about today. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Carmen. What's crackalacking? Ah, people do not have to wait until this afternoon to hear Susie Larson because she's going to be on the show later. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. You want to know what's cool here? We have a lot of snow here in Ohio. (laughs) We have a lot of snow in Tennessee. I heard. I know. It's crazy. Our our mutual friend, Sam Albury, was texting me from the airport where all of his flights were delayed. He was having a hard time getting out of Nashville. Yeah, there's no getting out of Nashville. Once you're there, it's like a trap. Okay, so let's talk about the lion, the psychoanalyst, and the wardrobe. Um, We actually teed this up on the show last week, thinking about this Freud's Last Session movie, but nobody had seen it to that point. So we we just talked about um, the fact that it was coming out, but obviously 
Um, you, you're such an expert in all things C.S. Lewis, so I'm really excited to hear your review of Freud's last session. Well, Carmen, I have to say that I would not have seen it were it not for your encouragement, because I just got back from Missouri and I had I had a day. It was a trip and uh, man, but I landed and then drove an hour away, away from my house, mind you, Carmen. So I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. I would never want you to feel guilty, but I drove I an hour away after landing. A, I just to let you know, that does not work. I am so not, <laughs> I do do not receive people's projected guilt, but go ahead, oh, carry man, on. I'm trying. I know, so I know. I, I, I got back after this trip. It was a day. It was a day. I, it, I, I need a day to quote Jim Gaffigan, but um, I went last night in Westchester. I went to the theater. You actually, I think, sent me. Um, or mes- mention, and I really enjoyed it. So the short answer is I really enjoyed it. And um, however, I, I would say that the the movie, to give a little context, there is some historical precedent for Freud and Lewis possibly having met. And so there was a 16-year-old young girl whose name was Jill Fluitt, who um, was relocated from London to Oxford and lived in Lewis's home along with a couple other children, um, and she made the most lasting impact. And so, in fact, when she moved out, Lewis wrote a letter to her mother and said, when June goes, the only bright spot in our prospect goes with her. And years later, um, Lewis's stepson, Douglas Gresham, wrote to June and said, did you know you're the real-life inspiration for Lucy, the uh, mm-hmm. the lead child character in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Now there are there are other theories I think are better. I, Lewis had a goddaughter whose name was Lucy Barfield, to whom Lewis dedicated um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I think that um, at least Lewis's affection was directed more towards that Lucy than than to June. But nonetheless, there's this really strong connection. And that girl, June, married Sigmund Freud's um, grandson, and it's. Mm. Quite possible, and I didn't have time to fact check this, but I do recall once reading um, someone at least speculating that Lewis and Warren probably were at the wedding and could have met Sigmund Freud. Now, there is there is better support for that chance encounter at this wedding than there is for anything in the film. <laughs> and so the film, um, the film really does kind of take some contested points and wed them to absolutely impossible scenarios. So this is fiction and I, to call it historical fiction would would be an over would would be in giving it more credit than it's due so this is this is the kind of you know hypothetical scenario like wouldn't it be cool if they did this so if you go see the film just know this never took place but the movie ends right before the credits roll with the line um, that there is some statement that Freud met with an Oxford Don who was unnamed. It's not mentioned who he met with, and we'll never know if it was C.S. Lewis or not. So that aside, there there are historical inaccuracies in it, um, sure. And then there's also, you know, downright this this didn't happen. But um, Anthony Hopkins, who plays Sigmund Freud, is no stranger to C.S. Lewis. So 30 years ago, Anthony Hopkins, I'm sure you've probably seen this, Carmen. Um, played C.S. Lewis in the movie Shadowlands, which I thought was a really uh, interesting movie. Um, I enjoyed it. And in this movie, he plays Sigmund Freud. There's also a book, 
and a play about this topic. The book is The Question of God, and it compares C.S. Lewis's worldview with that of Sigmund Freud. And so th there is kind of, if if the movie's lacking in historical details, at least some of that's mitigated by the fact that people have given serious thought to comparing and contrasting these two worldviews. So without giving too many spoilers away, I'll just say this. It, the movie presents the two men as complicated and complex, which all humans are. Um, I think they present Lewis a bit more contradictory than in real life and in his writings he would have been. And the movie begins with a disputed fact in Lewis's life that he had an intimate, um, if not inappropriate, relationship with a woman whose name was Janie Moore. So the movie begins with that, and that kind of sets the stage for the kind of C.S. Lewis they want to represent, a man who had um, perhaps some contradictory um, behavior that didn't line up with his beliefs. And now that's juxtaposed with Sigmund Freud, known for his focus and emphasis on sexuality, who has a distance relationship with his daughter, oddly enough, because of his disapproval of her lesbian partner. And so that's the juxtaposition. Um, the two, you know, bounce ideas back and forth off one another in a really interesting way. There are flashbacks. They portray scenes from Lewis's life. Some of them I absolutely love. I, I told my friend J.R. Gilhooley, who went with me, there were some depictions in this movie that are so much better than anything that's ever been produced in theater form about Lewis's life. And so, but if someone's looking for a winner of, of the movie, like you would going to a debate or something like that. I think the Sigmund Freud comes out as the winner. And perhaps that's because Anthony Hopkins is, after all, Anthony Hopkins. And so I think that Freud is presented as perhaps um, the, 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 um, Oh, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this, Carmen. He, he's funnier. He seems a bit more human. And Lewis, because they set it up as this contradictory, he lives one way and believes something else. I think he kind of sets Freud up to be the winner. So it's charming. It's a good reminder that it's possible to have these kind of meaningful dialogues, even if it's not entirely based on um, anything remotely um, plausible that actually happened between the two men. If we were to think about individuals, um, Freud and Lewis here, if we were to think about of them as like <clears throat> each one the root of a tree, at this point in human history, whose tree is bigger? Like I oh, just wow. think about the tremendous influence and impact each of these individuals. I mean, the fact that they were contemporaries, the fact that we know as much about each of them as we do and as little <laughs> as we do. Um, and each of them has produced a world. I mean, there, there, there is a world of people out there who, who know and love and would be able to trace their worldview understanding back to Lewis. And there are people out there who, um, in lots of disciplines, who would be able to trace their thinking the way they see the world back to Freud? Whose tree would be bigger? Wow. I, I don't know that I have a good answer for that. That's really interesting. And, and Lewis had some positive things to say about Freud. Um, and so, but he would said to Freud that when Freud's doing psychoanalysis, he's in his lane. And when he's doing philosophy, he's an amateur. And of course, Lewis who taught philosophy as his first teaching post, um, I, between the two, I, I'm inclined to say Lewis, but I want to be really careful because I know that that's my bias um, <laughs> because Freud's influence is 
pervasive and ubiquitous? Um, That is such a great question, but it's a good reminder that these are indeed two massive worldviews that are present today and are still in tension. And I think what I like about the film is even if I don't didn't feel like they always portrayed Lewis the way I think he might have responded, um, not that I would be an expert on how he might have responded, but there are a few lines that I'm like, I just don't see Lewis saying that. And I don't know anywhere that there's there's actually some precedent for like thinking he may say something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think that what I like about the film is the reminder that there is a way to have these kind of conversations that's quite possible. And I think the movie kind of reminds us in our divided world that we can have very different ways of seeing the world that are massively represented in our culture today between Freud and Lewis. But it's possible for us to come together and have a meaningful human interaction about what it means and what it feels like to live on this little planet and think about big ideas like, is there a God, is there meaning, and is there purpose? So if you're listening right now, I want you to think about who do you know, who who do you know, or maybe just know of, who do you know or know of that has a vastly different worldview than you? What would it look like to go knock on their door? And what if that was the last conversation they ever had? Because for me as, as a Christian, that's one of the compelling um, ideas here. Um, what, what, is it, what would it look like for Freud's last conversation to have been? with a believing Christian? Um, what would it look like today for that person operating out of a, an ungodly worldview, that person you know? What would it look like for you to go knock on their door? Invite yourself in for a cup of tea, um, or maybe show up with a pot of tea, whatever, however that works. Um, because at some point, they're going to have their last conversation on this earth. And you and I you know, each have an opportunity today to influence uh, someone's eternal reality. Um, so who knows what God might do and how God might use a conversation that you have with someone today, even a person operating out of a worldview that's a derivative of Sigmund Freud. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to continue our conversation with Dan DeWitt. We're going to dig a little further into this week's worldview reader. You can find it all at theolatte.com. Jesus loves the little children. You guys know that. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And right now, there are little children in the world who need Jesus. They also need things like basic food and medical care. Jesus tells us that what we do for the least of these, the little ones, we do for him. So this is your time to become the champion of one child, to change their life. When you sponsor just one child, you plant seeds of hope and you work together with people who are on the ground to change the families, the communities, the future. You might not feel like you could change the world, but you can for one child. Meet the kids and find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with our friend Dan DeWitt. You can... Find what we're talking about at theolatte.com. I have opened up this week's Worldview Reader. Um, Dan, what does it look like to do an autopsy uh, on ourselves? Like, right, an autopsy on something about our life that is different or has changed. The way you lead this off is, have you ever done an autopsy on the positive change you've experienced mm-hmm. in life? Talk, talk, talk with us about this, um, this process and this idea. Okay, this is the kind of thing I'm after preface with. I could be wrong, <laughs> so um, because what I'm saying here is not 
here's some clear verse in the Bible that, you know, is, is, you know, everyone agrees with this is how you interpret it. But I was just reflecting on my experience and what's worked for me. And um, I think that sometimes, and then trying to offer that in a meaningful way that it may help someone else. And part of this fits into me trying to write a bit more vulnerably and to to be a bit more authentic in the way I talk about my faith. And so um, and I think that's maybe just the fact that, you know, I'm middle-aged and you, you feel less the need to try and impress people and more the need to just be real and try and help someone. And so I'm reflecting on when I've had low moments in life where there's despair and a lack of hope, often that could be connected to behaviors and attitudes and ways of thinking that that I like that are part of the problem. And so how do you get out of that? And I think often for me, I've tried to get out of it through behavior modification. And in reflecting on my experience, I think the times of, of the greatest change when I've been in a valley has not come through my through self-effort of working my way out of it, but rather allowing my dis- confronting my despair. So it begins with hope first, and that the hope provides the inspiration I need for behavior change. And so rather than behavior change leading to a lack of despair, um, for me, I found that it's actually better to stop and focus on the despair and let the gospel confront that. And so if someone's listening today and you find yourself in a dark moment, a dark night of the soul, uh, I would encourage you to reflect on the hope of the gospel rather than your self-improvement. That doesn't mean that that bad behaviors should be ignored or that self-improvement should be neglected. But just in my life, I found that if I deal with hope first, that that will fuel a lot of things that then becomes a bit more kind of effortless um, that if I'm just focusing on behavior. So that's what this post is about. And it's a reminder of, I, I end with Jesus's words from Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And Jesus doesn't say, and I'm going to make you better. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think that that contrast, we see that when we come and rest in Jesus, that what he's calling us to do becomes light. That doesn't mean that it's easy um, in and of itself, but rather from the rest Jesus provides, the things he calls us to do become increasingly easier. And he gives us both the will and the ability to do what he calls us to do. So I've found that to be helpful. And if that's helpful to you, then that's great. I've had friends push back on that to say, no, actually, you know, behavior plays a more primary role. But for me, it's, if I start with hope, it changes the scenario a bit, a bit more. That's good. No, I appreciate that. And I think that at this stage of the new year, um, that's a really, really helpful reminder. So you guys want to check that out, brokenness and despair on finding a way out. Um, It's a piece by Dan DeWitt at theolatte.com. It is in this week's Worldview Reader. Um, Let's jump, um, let's jump to please just one miracle. So this post, I preached at Southwest Baptist University, the university where I I serve and lead a center for worldview and culture. I preached on Psalm 23 um, in chapel on Wednesday, and I'll probably post that at the Olate later today if someone is interested to watch the, uh, the chapel service and the sermon. 
But one, there are a lot of depictions of Psalm 23 in popular culture. One of my favorites is in Tupac Shakur's No More Tears, in which he has a very positive portrayal of the psalm as he re, he's reflecting to life on the streets with drive-by shootings. And what does it look like to have hope in the midst of that kind of chaos that he often um, was surrounded by? But there's another um, pop culture reference to Psalm 23, and there's so many to pull from, but it's um, not rap at all. It's a cowboy movie. It's a Clint Eastwood 1985 film, Pale Rider. And the movie begins as most cowboy movies, Western movies do. There's some bad guys and they're beating up on, you know, a small group of townspeople. In this case, it was a mining village, I believe. And they come through town and they're, you know, doing what bad guys do. They're firing their guns. They're, you know, kicking people from, you know, while they're on top of their horse riding by and they're just doing bad stuff. And one of the things they do is they shoot a young girl whose name is Megan. They shoot her dog and kill the dog. And so there's this scene where Megan has buried her dog and is now using Psalm 23 as a prayer but she's interspersing into it her own commentary. And so I'll just read it if I can. Do I have, do I have time to read that, that sure. her prayer really quick, Carmen? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So you'll hear the lines from the famous Psalm, Psalm 23, um, and then you'll it'll be clear where she's responding. So she says in her prayer, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but I do want. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul but they killed my dog. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, but I am afraid. Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We need a miracle. Thy lo loving kindness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, if you exist. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever but I'd like to get more out of this life first. If you don't help us, we're all going to die. Please, just one miracle. Amen. And I love I love that the honesty of her prayer and the vulnerability of it. And I write that God hears honest prayers. So it's not the hollow recitation of unfelt and unbelieved words that move his heart. It's something like this little girl's authentic plea. Jesus once encouraged childlike faith, and I have to believe he would delight in her version of the famous psalm. So maybe we should pray more like her out of honest, humble hearts that come before God with nothing to offer but our plea for help. Um, and if God is a good shepherd, as the psalm tells us, I have no doubt he's listening. It's mm, so good. Uh, Derek, who is on the text line this morning, says, I was just thinking about rapper Scarface and his song, Look Me in My Eyes, and how at the end he talks about finding the answers in Matthew and Luke and um, you know, mm. in, in the gospel. Um, and then he says, of course, there's a very big language disclaimer for the song, <laughs> right? Yes. So I do think that, um, yeah, li music, um, literature, movies, um there are places where the gospel is proclaimed in ways that um, in spaces where obviously there are people listening or watching who aren't going to show up to Sunday school. And mm -hmm. so um, I think that those looking for them in those spaces and places is so helpful. And that's one of the things that you do um, so well, Dan. So thank you so much again for bringing those forward. This, this please just one miracle um, particularly the gift of this 
prayer, right? This mm-hmm. way of entering into uh, Psalm 23, which you may feel you, you know so very well, but entering into it in a new way. Um, and so, again, extracting that from Clint, East, Clint Eastwood's 1985 Pale Writer. It's just so, like, right? There are places to look and look back and call from the culture where we can, uh, we can see the gospel sown and advanced. So thank you so much. That's Dan DeWitt. The things we drew from today are on this week's Worldview Reader. You can find it at theolatte.com. If you need me to send you a direct link, I'm happy to do that. The text line is open, 877-933-2484. We've got another hour together next. Our friend Adam Holtz will will be here, as will my colleague Susie Larson. We're going to talk about her brand new book, Waking Up to the Goodness of God. You can register to win a copy right now at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.